About three years ago, almost to this week, in fact, I started doing a series of posts on Facebook talking about how we're heading towards a new changing world order, how we might see a financial apocalypse, that we're going to have some unprecedented economic events on their way, that Western economies especially are not as solid as they may seem, and the dollar was under genuine threat. Now, when you speak about these kind of things, and especially at that time, even though three years is not a very long time, at that point, it's a very fringe discussion. And when you talk about things that are quite fringe, that kind of, they're not even really even on the edges of the mainstream narrative, what tends to happen is you get met with a lot of hostility and ridicule. That is mostly what my posts were met with. But I still kept persisting. I still kept writing about these things. Eventually, after about a year, I kind of just gave up. There were a few people that it resonated with. Those people are in my Discord community now. Um, we still talk about these things in there. And we've been kind of talking to each other and helping each other kind of get through that how to navigate this this world that's coming. But this conversation about the dollar collapsing has only really just started to come to the forefront now, I would say within the last couple of months and more so in the last few weeks. Sometimes nothing happens for decades and then decades happen in months. Recent events in geopolitics have been nothing short of monumental. These pivotal events can be classified into two categories, peace and de-dollarization. So what I'm going to do is just recap the things that I spoke about three years ago and just talk about that those things again now and just kind of summarize it into, into one place. Really just speak about America as a superpower and what is it really, what is the key reason that they've been able to enjoy dominance as a superpower and why that is legitimately under threat right now. And the thing that you have to understand before I start explaining this is that it's not that I have a crystal ball or that I'm some sort of sage or anything like that. It's just pattern recognition. You know, if you step outside the house and you see clouds bearing above, you know you probably need an umbrella. You need to take an umbrella with you. If you step outside the house and all you can see is sunlight, you know, it's just a lot of sun. You probably need your sunglasses. It's really just as basic as that. And all I've been doing is just looking at the patterns. And from there, you can very simply extrapolate what is about to come. It's not about having knowledge of the unseen or anything like that. It's just simple pattern recognition. So I want to talk about today the what made America a superpower. America really, I know America's always seen as this might of strength. But America has always really just been a soft, soft power. And that is under threat now. But let's talk about what made America a superpower? How did they establish this this dominance? And to do that, we have to discuss how it is that countries do trade with each other. We really have to have a conversation about this concept of reserve currency. So a reserve currency works in the following way. Let's say India, as a country, wants to buy wheat from Russia. Now, the way that that's been working over the last several decades is in the following way. So India does business in the Indian rupee, that's their currency, and Russia has the Russian ruble. And so when India wants to buy wheat from Russia, what has to happen is the Indian rupee gets converted into the US dollar, because the US dollar is a reserve currency. So that is the benchmark, you could say, or the yardstick 
against which all trade takes place. This is not the only reserve currency in the world. We do have like the euro and the Japanese yen, but the major, the number one and the major uh, currency, world currency is the US dollar. So that then gets converted from the Indian rupee into the US dollar and then into the Russian ruble. And if that if there's anything that needs to go back in terms of that transaction, then it gets converted back from the ruble into the US dollar and then back into the Indian rupee. Now, when this trade takes place and this is happening, there are a number of other things, there's, there's layers to this, that are actually taking place at the same time or as part of this um, trade. So the first thing is purely on an accounting or a financial level, when that trade takes place, Uncle Sam, New York, America, gets a cut of that trade. So as that Indian rupee gets converted into the dollar and then into the ruble, America gets a cut of that transaction for facilitating that transaction. So even though that percentage might be really small, I don't know what the percentage is, even though it might be really small, you can imagine on that huge volume, it's actually quite a lot of money. The second thing is it uses a protocol, a messaging protocol, so it's an actual piece of technology called SWIFT. So what happens is when you want to convert the rupee from the Indian rupee into the dollar and then into the ruble, there's a, there's a, an actual wire that goes from India, and I'm using the, the term wire in terms of messaging, not an actual physical wire. It obviously uses communication protocols to do that, but it, it's a messenger communication protocol. And it sends that uh, message over to New York. New York receives that message. It then converts uh, the rupee into the dollar and then sends a message over to Russia. And obviously it goes through this whole transport. Uh, it's a transport mechanism. It goes through all this transport into Russia and then back again. This use of this SWIFT technology and this employment of this reserve currency then has obviously implications. Namely, two of which are, number one, America benefits from all the trade that takes place around the world. So you can imagine oil is priced in dollars, wheat is priced in dollars, staple foods, rice, gas, energy, all the, the things that it requires to run a country, to run a nation. All of that stuff, when that trade is taking place, import and export between individual countries, it's using the US dollar as a reserve currency. So Uncle Sam is getting a cut of all of that trade that's taking place all around the world. That is what has given America its financial dominance, shall we say. So that's taking place. The other thing that happens is because these countries are dependent on this technology called SWIFT to do to actually do that trade, that kind of acts like a bank account. So the way that that works is it's like if I want to send money to somebody in Pakistan or India or Sri Lanka today, if PayPal, for example, is not happy with me, PayPal can just say, uh, no, we're not going to facilitate this transaction. And then there's nothing that I can do. If America is not happy with you, as a country, all they have to do is switch off access to SWIFT, which is exactly what they did with Russia last year, or at least they tried to. If you have a country that is reliant on doing trade with other countries in order to survive as a nation, if you, if you basically cripple their ability to be able to do trade with other countries, that nation is effectively finished. And that's how America has been establishing sanctions, imposing sanctions on countries around the world for the last several decades. They've not been using military strength to do it. They haven't been using the threat of military power to do it. That is not as great a threat to a country as you might think, as is the financial threat 
of not being able to do trade with other countries, not being able to import wheat, not being able to buy oil. It, it, it brings the country, entire country to its knees. So that's how America has been asserting its dominance. The thing that actually changed last year was Russia had actually played a very long game. They had been collaborating with the Chinese and the Chinese have been developing over the last several years their own uh, payments infrastructure that allows different countries to do trade with each other without having to use the SWIFT protocol. I believe it's called Union Pay, but I would have to look into it further. And it's using modern technology, it's using blockchain, it's using all uh, modern infrastructure with which to do this. SWIFT as a technology is several decades old. What's actually been happening is the various countries around the world you know, countries like Venezuela and Ecuador and Iran and even now Saudi Arabia, they have now decided that they want to use the payment infrastructure, the messenger protocols provided by China instead of the one provided by the US. So instead of using SWIFT, they now want to move over to the Chinese infrastructure, which then allows them to import and export without having to use the US dollar as a reserve currency. So now the oil is being priced in uh, or will be priced in yuan. If India wants to buy wheat from Russia, for example, they can do that transaction, they can do that trade uh, directly, you know, without this wire going all the way to New York and then coming back and without the US taking a cut of that transaction. The one thing from what I understand that the Chinese are doing differently is that they're providing that infrastructure in such a way that allows each country to do uh, trade directly with another country without it having to route through China as a result. So China is not, I don't believe China is necessarily getting a cut of those transactions. It may be doing, but of course it'll be offering those at a lower price than what the US is offering at the moment. But it's actually allowing countries to, to transact with each other directly. So India has actually been buying wheat from Russia directly and it's been a direct rupee to ruble transaction and completely bypassed the dollar. Now other countries around the world have been waking up to this and from what I can tell with the information that's coming out now, finally, is that they, they've also been signing up to do trade with other countries, you know, whether it's selling their oil or whether it's importing wheat or importing energy. They've been signing up to do all of this and have completely bypassed the dollar in the process or are about to. So, of course, what that means for the US is the end of dollar dominance. The best analogy that I can think of, the point that we are in now, this point in time in history that we are in, is very similar to where the world was about a decade ago uh, with Netflix and Blockbuster. You had Blockbuster, which had been enjoying dominance a number of decades, if not more. They had almost a complete monopoly on the market. They'd killed all the smaller stores, the smaller movie rental stores, or gobbled them up. And people were using Blockbuster. And then when Netflix came along, nobody could actually believe that this tiny little company, this tiny little startup would result in such a tidal shift so quickly, but it did. And now obviously Blockbuster is a thing of the past. It's a relic of history. And now we all watch Netflix. And since then, obviously, we've had multiple um, streaming services come on board as well at the same time. And that's, if you want to take an analogy, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, at this point in history, we're kind of in the blockbuster versus Netflix kind of era where you've got a country like China that's offering uh, a better payment system, better technology infrastructure as a payment system and is offering a better deal to all these other countries in comparison to what the US is doing. And the US is being complacent in the same way that blockbuster was being complacent. The Chinese system is better than the American or European at providing stability, prosperity, and freedom. The Chinese economy 
grew by nearly 1,000% from 1970 to 2010, and the average household income in China has risen by 400% in the last 10 years. And that, unfortunately, is very scary for people. It's not scary for me. I'm quite excited about the future, just the way that I was excited about Netflix at the time. I'm looking forward to a multipolar world. I would rather live in a world where we have multiple currencies that are dominant. We have multiple countries that we can benefit from their dominance rather than having this singular US dominance. The US dollar dominance, I personally feel, has been the reason why we've had this export of this monoculture around the world. China is trying to pursue multiparity and international legitimacy for their system, not impose it on other countries. China explicitly embraces the idea that each country should determine for itself how it is governed. The US, by contrast, loves to lecture others on how they should govern themselves and keeps trying to get other countries to embrace our liberal values. There has been, you know, especially in the last couple of decades, this kind of rapid moral decline. There's been a decrease in moral fiber around the world, uh, in, in, in society, and there's been an erosion of traditional values. And I'm, talk I'm not talking about conservative values, because that term is politically charged now. But there has been an, an erosion of that. And with the decline of the dollar, I think we can go back to societies that have a little bit more moral fiber, I think. Imagine you get frozen and woken up in 300 years. You can be almost 100% sure that China will be highly rec recognizable. It will have the same language, the same traditions, the same basic cultural features, like the importance of family, the importance of education, meritocracy, the paternalistic style of government, a largely secular society, and so on and so forth. I know there's a lot of arguments uh, against China and Russia and these other countries. But what you have to understand is just in the same way that even with the advent of Netflix, with all the convenience that it brought and the new technology that it brought and the way that society changed as a result, it wasn't as if it didn't come with tyranny of its own, you know, price hikes and a catalogue of movies that then started to dwindle and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that if we move into a multipolar world, that that world is going to be perfect or it's going to be some utopia or that these countries are not going to bring uh, tyranny of their own. I just feel like in comparison to the tyranny that we've had from the US, I don't think it's going to be as much. We are actually living in a world at the moment where we think we're at the forefront of technology. We think we're at the forefront of civilization because we're under the umbrella of the US dollar dominance. But I feel like we have yet to see all the technology that would be possible, all the human progress that would be possible with other countries coming to the forefront by going into a multipolar world. I personally think that's quite exciting. The Chinese system is very enduring, whereas the Western system is more unstable and more subject to deep transformations, which can be good, of course, but is also very destabilizing. Let's finish with prosperity. If one adds up all the types of funding, directly dedicated to lifting people out of poverty, China spends close to 14 trillion yuan on this effort, or about 2.1 trillion dollars. Here is a telling parallel. This is roughly what the US Department of Defense and the State Department jointly spent on their post-911 wars in the Middle East and Afghanistan, which is quite illustrative of the different priorities of the two nations and how they impact prosperity. But of course, 
when you have a, a school bully, for example, you know, and they know they're about to lose their position, they will do everything that they can to hold on to their position of power. They will stir up drama everywhere. They will uh, spread lies. They will do character assassination. They will manipulate people. They will do whatever they can to hold on to their position. And I think increasingly that's exactly what the US has been doing, especially over the last decade and especially over the last few years. I think that's exactly what they've been doing. There's a whole host of stories that are coming out right now that are designed to get people to hold on to this idea, this real estate that they have in their mind, that America is still the only superpower that's out there. But the thing that you have to understand is that in this entire time, America has only really been a soft power. It's not really a hard power. We've been led to believe that it's a hard power. And that's been done through media, through Hollywood, you know, through movies that make us think that America has a lot of military might, which it actually doesn't. What America has really had this entire time has been the soft power that it's implemented through the SWIFT protocol and through its uh, dollar dominance. That's what it's been doing. But now, obviously, that's under legitimate threat because all these other countries have had enough as well and they want to move away from the dollar. The problem is that, unfortunately, the US isn't going to go down without a fight. They, they want to bring war to the table. They're, they are picking fights on multiple fronts with multiple countries, China and Taiwan, for example. They're, they're meddling over there. They're, they're picking a fight there. But obviously seen the whole Russia and Ukraine thing. And there's, you know, they're meddling in elections in places like Pakistan and Sri Lanka and Bangladesh. And they've been able to do that because they have the dollar. They have the financial power to do that. But when all these countries move away from the dollar, they won't be able to do that. They won't have any money to spend to be able to, to buy out politicians, to be able to you know, spend money on building up media narratives and all this kind of stuff. All of that stuff just washes away. You have our allies quietly leaving the room, and this is very troubling. What happens when all of these countries are coordinated sufficiently enough with commodities, with military relationships, with strategic relationships. When that happens, it is a religious experience as dollars are globally dumped as no longer will they need to only take dollars for oil. Since 74, every country on the planet's had to own it. It's created a synthetic demand for the dollar. Those days are coming to an end. And when those dollars come rushing home because they no longer are needed to buy oil, the world will dump them as fast as you can say, don't. But they're holding on to that as, as hard as they can. But the, the days are numbered. The thing is that people on the ground, especially in the West, are really worried about what this is going to mean because we've never seen a world in which the dollar hasn't been dominant. And we've been led to believe that the tyranny of these other countries is going to be worse than the tyranny that we've already been experiencing under the leadership or the dictatorship even of the US. At best, it will be about the same, but I don't think it's going to be any worse. It becomes quite obvious that China might not, in fact, be the unfree place most people in the West picture it as, and vice versa, the West might not be quite so free. What we have to really worry about is how much the US is going to resist the end of the dollar. But at least they finally brought that conversation into the mainstream. They weren't even willing to discuss it before, and I think that's because they finally realized that this battle is over. So, like I said, I'm... I'm personally looking forward to the multipolar world. I genuinely can't wait, you know, for us to live in a world where we have the dominance of other countries. We enter, you know, the Netflix era of civilization. I think there's a lot of technology, a lot of human progress that we've been kept back from that we could um, have access to. If countries 
are able to sell their goods without having to pay commission to Uncle Sam, it means that the cost of living comes down because it means that the prices of those goods comes down. If uh, they're able to do trade without the meddling, you know, if, if countries are able to do trade with each other without the meddling of the US, without the threat of sanctions, then it means that they can bring things into society that could be good for, for that nation. And then other nations can benefit from that as well. I don't think other countries have actually been allowed to progress because of the dollar. They've been suppressed and it's time for them to rise up and it's time for us to, to, to live in a world where it's not just singular US dominance. And I'm looking forward to that. I know it's really scary for people because if, you know, if all you've ever done is, 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 is drive an automatic and suddenly you're now driving a manual or the other way around, or if all you've ever done is drive petrol and now you have to drive diesel, it can be a little bit scary. I'm really hopeful that we're not going to go to World War Three over this. I feel like that the, the fight will take place on the financial battleground and not on an actual military battleground. And it, I'm sure there will be hardship on the way there but i'm hopeful that just the way that blockbuster just kind of disappeared into the past that the same thing will happen to the dollar and that we can move into this new era and we can move into this new world order i'm looking forward to that if you have any questions about the content or the subject matter the things that i've discussed in this video then please sign up to my discord the link is in the description below it's a small app that you can use very similar to how chat groups used to work before you can be anywhere in the world and sign up for it. All you have to do is, is sign up via Patreon, which will then give you access to the Discord app. It is a like-minded community of other people that are talking about the same things, but we can just speak openly to each other. You might have some questions of your own, or you might have some insight of your own. Come and talk to me, come and talk to others. We can share ideas with each other and we, and we can grow as a community.